0: Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and this is another journal episode um, from the car. Uh, so um, the last two, I've been mean, kind of like rebuilding a few things, as, or building on some um, some stuff because realizing that <clears throat> that people don't always start you know, episode one, which kind of wish you would, but whatever. Um, but before we get into that, uh, if you'd like to continue to support this, this thing that I'm doing, uh, the infinite spark of bean.com is the best way to do that. There's books, t-shirts, there's the books that I write rather. Uh, there's t-shirts, there's, um, art prints and there's the Patreon and there is Venmo. Um, and I'll be adding some new things to this soup here shortly. Um, some therapeutic things for you guys. But uh, first, um, the book, uh, the third book, still working on it. I'm very happy, <clears throat> very happy with it. Uh, in fact, um, I don't know. It's, it might be my favorite thing so far. And I'm having trouble knowing what to stop brighten it i just i'm enjoying spending time with it so uh one day i guess i'll have to stop working on it um so two episodes ago we talked about what the mind is right that the mind is the lens and uh we talked about karma what karma is what karma isn't um so let's recap uh something happens Stimuli happens, events happen, and they pass through the subconscious mind. Think of the subconscious mind as a lens, and they pass through that lens, and since the mind reminds the body how to feel, and it does that through symbols, these events, these stimuli are symbols, and it reminds the body how to feel, so then the body starts to feel a kind of way, right? Uh, Let's say sadness, so I start to experience sadness, and uh, then my conscious mind, steps in and it starts to elaborate on how my body feels well you know you're sad because of this and if this hadn't happened and that happened those are all those thoughts, conscious thoughts and then the body starts to feel more and let's say it goes from sadness to due to ruminating on these thoughts now I'm uh, resentful and angry and then the, the body's tightening up and all this and then I do something about it I do something about the way the body feels. Our day is spent doing something about how the body feels. Pushing something away, clinging on to something, this back and forth, you know, um, trying to find comfort, essentially. Uh, so then the karma and now okay so all of this is happening but our personality is interacting with it and it's affecting the personality it's causing certain psychological things to turn on which is our some scars. and then on top of that is our karma which is where we kind of that's our day-to-day stuff right um the karma would be me having the personality of the controller not in, in, in my karma would be whether or not I lean into controlling or letting things be right. That would be the karma. It doesn't mean that my personality is different. It just means I've either that I've probably learned to act different, right? Because that behavior, the thing that you do at the end of all that is going to reinforce whatever is in the subconscious mind that is, that seems to be a problem. Right? So if the subconscious mind is programmed... Okay, here we go. So if I'm um, wired, and we'll just take one aspect of my personality, which is my controller aspect, and my subconscious mind becomes wired to see the world as a series of potential adversaries and threats, my conscious thoughts are always about who's going to hurt me and why, and then the actions that I, that I take part in, the things that I do are uh, really reinforcing or uh, you know, reinforcing the idea that it is nothing but potential adversaries and threats, then I will continue to experience the world as adversaries and threats. Now, if I start to watch my thoughts, I notice my thoughts, then then that is, and, I, and maybe I manage to act in a way of peace or love or, or, or fearlessness. Which then starts to change the the way my subconscious mind is receiving the world. Because remember, it's receiving the world as potential adversaries and threats. So rather than behaving like somebody who's fearful, I will then behave like somebody who's not fearful. And thus changing, you know, if I do it enough times, I'll change the way the subconscious receives the world. So again, I realize I just mumbled a lot or stuttered or something. Anyway, something happens. Uh, My personality interacts with it, uh, which is what it is. And then the subconscious mind, if it is wired for adversaries and threats, then if I act in a way of fearfulness, then I perpetuate that adversary and threat mentality. If I act in the way of fearlessness and act fearless, then I start to change that viewpoint of the subconscious that perception of the subconscious remember perception a way of regarding understanding and interpreting things so perception is reality and your perception is your subconscious so that's how that's working now my karma is just whether or not i have attraction or aversion that's all it is it's not good or bad it's just your opinion. Right? Are you attached to your opinion or not? Are you attached to the threat and adversary point of view or not? That's going to be your karma. The scars, the personality, the deeper psychological things, the karma is really like what you do. It's cognitive behavioral therapy. You know, because over time, if I act in a fearless way instead of a fearful way, then... I'm changing, I'm clearing away that karma of fearfulness. If I have an aversion to my fearfulness. Now, if I have an attraction to being fearful, well then my karma is just fine. Remember, karma is not what happened, karma is how the mind related to it. Now, what we're gonna talk about today is meditation. Because the meditative practice is what's going to allow you to create that space Enough to do something else about it. That's all meditation is for. Meditation is not so you transcend things and you know you just float with a perpetual smile and your toxic fucking positivity. That's not meditation. Meditation goes from a thing that you do to a way of being, which means that you start to just create space. You get the you you gain the ability to kind of pick and choose what your actions are going to be. You know, that's really what it is. And what I practice would be called shamatha, which either means mind calmness or calm abiding, which I like better because that's more what you're learning to do. You're learning to calmly abide with the mind as it is, the body as it is, in a way that allows you to create enough space that you don't need to just fall in line and react. Okay? That's what the that's the purpose of meditation some of you think if you just shove enough crystals up your ass and sit in meditation long enough maybe stand on your head that your life will improve the spiritual practice is not about that the spiritual practice is about learning to inhabit your incarnation well or impeccably or as impeccably as you can leaning into my Keithness right Um, Meditation will not prevent you from being an asshole. God knows that, you know, hasn't worked for me. You know, but meditation allows me to say sorry faster. Meditation allows me to see my unskillfulness more quickly than I would previously and just, you know. So that's been the benefit of it. I mean, you know, uh, picking up the practice 20 years ago you know doesn't mean I was doing it skillfully doesn't mean I was putting things into practice well it just meant that I was doing a thing right we all know a lot of assholes that go to yoga we all know a lot of pricks that go to church and you know that's the deal right Um, so really uh, that's what we're looking to do um it adds a level of relaxation. It changes the biology of the brain even, which allows the body to feel better, feel differently, and then allow us to make different decisions. When our nervous system isn't like constantly in a state of threat, then we think different. right? We feel different. When we feel different. We're capable of things like finding equanimity, forgiveness, things like that. Um, and if you want to understand more about forgiveness and my point of view, there is a, an episode called the myth of For- the mythology of forgiveness, I believe what it's called. So, um, meditation, uh, see it as a way to create space. Um, it's not, and, and you know what else? It's not something everybody should be doing. Don't worry about it. Um, you do it, you don't. You know, uh, I think one of the funniest uh, things that I ever heard Lama Lossan say was uh, my ex-wife and I were in his office once. When I'd first met him. I, you know, I hadn't even been to a teaching or anything. And um, my, uh, my ex goes, so Keith's into all this meditation stuff. Now, mind you, she's talking to a Tibetan Buddhist monk and a Lama. So if that adds to the, you know, the grating nature of this. Um, Keith's in all this meditation stuff. Do you think it would benefit me? And he goes, well... And, he, and my little son speaks kind of softly and quietly. and He goes, you know, meditation's not for everybody. He goes, if you don't have a mind, I wouldn't bother with it. But if you do have a mind you might want to give it a shot. And that was his uh, explanation on that. Um, So I'm going to run through um, the practice of shamatha uh, the way uh, I understand it, the way it was taught to me. Um, So first of all, we don't need an $80 uh, meditation cushion. But if you choose to sit on the ground you know, or whatever, you're going to want your pelvis higher than your ankles. Okay. Um, I do not sit in a full Lotus position. I sit in a half Lotus because fuck me, I can't do a full Lotus. Tried for a long time and I realized, you know, it's probably just isn't for me. So I just sit in half Lotus. Uh, those of you without a cushion, if you want to sit on a yoga block, that helps. Um, In fact, I like the yoga block better than my own meditation cushion. Um, But yeah, you just want to be sure. And that's just to kind of keep the back straight. Um, Chögyam Trungpa had some great uh, explanations on why uh, to sit the way he would prescribe, which he would say that the back is straight and strong because it bears the weight of the world. It bears the weight of compassion. Uh, And so as you sit, your back is straight, not neurotically straight, don't go crazy. Uh, The front is soft, meaning that you relax your belly, you relax your chest, and it's soft because it's fearless. We don't cross our arms or our hands because there's nothing to be afraid of. We don't need to guard ourselves from anything. So back straight, belly relaxed, chest relaxed. And then imagine that your crown is tied to a string and if it was your chin would probably tuck just a little right your chin doesn't go in the air it doesn't go down really far it just kind of sits and you want that spinal alignment just because it helps the energy flow through the body better and the other uh, thing that usually surprises people is the, uh, that the eyes are open. We sit with our eyes open. And we sit with our eyes open because we don't close our eyes to anything. We stare directly at the pain and suffering. Um, another reason the eyes would be open is because when you close them, it's just a movie screen for more thoughts. And we're not trying to have an experience of color and light. We're trying to get stronger. You know, it's not, you know, when you're not trying to have visions and shit, which is the real fucking annoying thing. When someone's like, I saw this and that. It's like, oh, God. It's a funny story. I put it in one of the books where this woman was talking to uh, our Rinpoche, our teacher's teacher, Kipo Cutter Rinpoche. And she was saying something about, like, I don't know if she had been doing the medicine Buddha practice or something. And she was saying, I can see all the Bodhisattvas and all the Buddhas so clearly. And Rinpoche was talking through a translator, and the translator just goes, Rinpoche says, keep practicing, it'll all go away. (laughs) Which I thought was awesome. So, eyes are open. Soft gaze, relax your eyelids. You can blink, relax, not crazy. Because all you're doing is you're continually bringing your attention to your breath specifically to the cold air going in through your nose and the warm air going out through your nose um, that's gonna be your uh, cognitive recentering device so you're gonna start off with your attention there and as your attention wears uh, wears down and just jumps to the mind it jumps to this jumps that you're gonna notice it and you're gonna gently bring it back to the breath Don't snap it back. Don't get frustrated. That's what attention is supposed to do. The mind will continually think. You'll, you know, thinking won't be a problem for you when breath isn't a problem, because you'll be dead. Okay, the mind isn't supposed to stop. It's for comparing and contrasting. The mind is a fantastic servant, horrible master, and it keeps you safe, keeps the body safe. The mind is not the problem. The ego is not the problem. It's your lack of attention. That's kind of the problem. So if you imagine, right, that your mind is this cloud up above your head and your attention wanders up into that cloud and it jumps from thought to thought, yada, yada, yada. What you're practicing is you're strengthening the muscle that will pull your attention down to your nose where the cold air is going in and the warm air is going out, And then your mind... Is gonna to chatter to the point where your attention wanders off, and then you'll gently bring it back. Some days are better than others. Right? Um, in my opinion, I hope your mind never settles down. I hope it stays noisy, keeps chattering, and you get to continually practice. People that sit down and tell me, Well, my mind never really, you know, it just stays very centered, I'm like that's a shame. That's a real fucking shame. Um So something else about the breath I want you to notice is as you exhale, it's very warm. And you feel that kind of warm pocket. And I want you to sink down into that and spend time with it on each exhale. Don't hold your breath and things like that, but just notice it. And then allow the breath to breathe in when it's ready. But I will tell you this, the slower the breath, the slower the thoughts. You wanna slow your breath down. Take some initiative and slow it down. Just breathe. So we're sitting either in a chair or on the floor. If we're on the floor, our pelvis is higher than our ankles. So there's a cushion or you a know, block or something. And we sit with a straight back, soft chest, soft belly. Rest your hands on your knees chin tucked very slightly as if your head was dangling from a string. Your eyes are open but relaxed staring off into space. Don't stare at a specific point and you just have your attention on your nose where the cold air goes in through the nose and the warm air goes out through the nose. Nice and easy nice and slow. on each exhale you're going to really notice that warm pocket allow yourself to sink down into that let the body breathe in when it's ready and it's just nice and slow you can blink, it's okay but just don't stare at a specific point, kind of stare off into space we've all done it, we were just staring off into space and somebody said, what you thinking about and you said, nothing right, but that kind of thing if the mind races, the mind races. The mind thinks, the mind thinks. That's what it's supposed to do. You just notice that it's happening and you very gently guide your attention back to your nose. Don't snap it back. Just think of it as like you're playing with a little puppy and the puppy keeps wandering off and you kind of pull it back and you play with the puppy some more and try to keep its attention. That's all you're doing. That's the meditative practice. So, you know, when we think about, you know, our so our cognitive recentering device will be the sensation of cold air and warm air. Uh, with a mantra, it would be like the, the mantra is that thing. You know, um, For a little added support, if you want to think the word rise on the inhale and think the word fall on the exhale, that's helpful. I believe I talk about that in one of the books, either in Ocean or... Um, but that's the, um, that's the practice it's nice and slow take it easy and you just need 10 minutes once a day find 10 minutes but throughout the day remember that you're breathing and bring your attention down into your body down into your nose where the cold air and the warm air is and just hang out with it that's all we're doing Just hanging out with the breath. Okay? Um, Maybe I'll record a guided meditation where maybe I give some instruction at the beginning and then just have a continual uh, reminder to come back to the breath. But just do that during the day while you're driving, while you're listening to somebody. It's not going to distract you. Just, you know, redirect your attention. Um, And the way that works is it works the same as something called dual attention stimulus. Um, A really interesting way of thinking about it is uh, one of the trauma, uh, a trauma thing that I do that works very well for people. Um, It's called rapid resolution therapy. And within that, I do that a lot. I do that kind of dual attention stimulus thing. And you know, redirecting the attention back to something that the person doesn't care about while at the same time asking them to remember something very painful, what happens is the mind takes that thing they don't really care about, my phone, a bottle of water, and applies the feeling it has about that bottle of water to the way it feels about that trauma. Now, the same thing happens during meditation, because remember, your con- your body's constantly re- uh, reacting to the mind. So every time your attention goes into the mind and the body responds and you redirect your attention to something you don't care about, which is your breath it works the same way over a longer period of time and over something a little more broad Um, but that's it so I hope this was helpful Um, I, uh, I hope you got something out of it if you have any questions, always reach out don't be afraid, don't be weird we've known each other for a millennia um, again, if you want to support the ongoing creation of the Infinite Spark of Bean, you can do that at theinfinitesparkofbeing.com. There's a lot of things to click on and stuff to look at. So that's it for me. Um, I hope it was helpful. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, reach out. We're old friends. I love you. Bye.